0: Everybody? Morning, morning. Morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Brilliant. And can you see me? Yes. yes, brilliant. Because I can hear and see you, which is great. And Nora Walsh and I were panting out song words today. So you might have guessed that this is a little bit interactive. Brilliant. So there are two songs we're going to learn later on this morning. One that you know is the double saunter, and a brand new one. You're going to hear the story behind the chocolate flowers, and you're going to hear the chocolate flowers in the certain So the people I'd like to introduce you to today are three amazing guests. And this is in a series of five weeks. So for week one, we pulled out all the stocks. We have (coughs) Brian Lawler is going to start. (laughs) Professor Brian Lawler (laughs) from the Then we have Mike Cameron from Stockton's (laughs) Lake. also been through the Global Brain Health Institute. She's going to tell you a little bit about how the whole worlds of music and brain health collide. And we have Norah is a musician, a composer and the musical director of the Forgetting Us Choir. Oh. <laughs> so we've got three amazing guests and we're going to kick off by first of all explaining what is the Global Brain Health Institute. So my name is Karen Johnson And I am a senior fellow in the Global Brain Health Institute. So what's my involvement in all of this? Well, my ma'am had Alzheimer's. So when she was diagnosed, first of all, uh, our whole house went very silent, as it does. And when conversation stops, kind of everything in the house stops a little bit. And when conversation gets a little bit loopy and a little bit repetitive, you have to find other ways. Come in, you're very welcome. Uh, You have to find other ways to connect. And one of the ways that we connected in our house was through music. So my sister Orla Horn is the person who set up the Forget Me Nots Choir. And I have another sister, Fiona Tierney, who is also a founder volunteer. So the Forget Me Nots and music is huge in our lives. Uh, ten years I'm counting, and we practice in Baldoil. We've got some lovely members here today. Take away. <laughs> and Baldoil has become a place where people speak quite openly about living with dementia, because we just all talk about it. So this is part of why we're doing this series, this five week series, is to reduce the stigma of that word dementia and to raise awareness uh, about brain health. Brain health isn't the opposite of brain disease. (coughs) Brain health is like physical health, like heart health, like mental health. We all have it. We just don't talk about it enough. And then we think about our brains as being a different part of our body. If our brain is healthy, we're healthy. So we're going to have loads of different ways over the next five weeks that you can connect with yourselves, with your community, with your family, about your brain health. So today we have our three amazing guests. If you haven't signed up for the five weeks, we have loads of different guests. Pick up one of these on your way out. Next week is all about hearing. Hearing loss, tinnitus. If you know anyone who has a little bit hard of hearing or if they have tinnitus, please tell them all about it. We've got experts here next week. And the week after that is poetry, the week after that is art, and the week after that is dance. So, you know, we've got some wonderful things coming up. So now I'd like to introduce you to one of my favourite people in the world. It's Brian Lawler.
1: Okay. Thanks, Karen. It's a great pleasure to be here, and thanks to Susan for the invitation. I know how this happened a, number of years, a couple of years ago now, and, it's, and just, I think it's just a wonderful thing, It's wonderful series of um, I say great pleasure to be here and to be in the company of great artists and we're gonna hear from them later on. But I, I, I kinda of, I'm not the warm-up act really yeah. for these people. Not, uh, I'm the warm-up act no from the mine. And I, I really um, want to talk a little bit about, about arts and creativity and, and, and uh, how it really is a part of prescription of brain And We're talking about brain health. We're not talking about health we're rethinking we dementia. Perspective of brain. and I think I can't give a lovely definition of what brain. brain it's not the absence of the disease, it's, it's much more. I'm going to talk a little bit about that as we go through the talk. But so, i tell t- a little bit about myself now. I'm, I'm a professor of psychiatry, a psychiatric director of the you Institute know, at Trinity College Dublin. But I'll tell you a little bit more about my, my own personal journey. I'm mean, I from Limerick. Uh, and broke uh, in in the 1860s, and you know, then came to college in Dublin, and that's relevant because at the time in uh, Limerick there was no university uh, in you had to come to Dublin for the medical school, um, I trained in Dublin, then went to the US, came back to Dublin in ninety-one to St. James's Hospital, and, um, and that's really where I broke out very much involved all in brain health and dementia. I was really looking out for people with dementia, setting up services with dementia in every place. And really, I was dealing primarily with people who were actually who had the problem. Uh, but since, since 2015, I've been very involved in, in the Global Brain Health Institute, which I'll tell you more about. And really what we're looking at is not just looking at care and helping people live better and live well with dementia, but also looking upstream, looking about how we can prevent dementia. And in order to prevent dementia, it's not about looking at what we can do in middle life. It's actually looking at much earlier, looking at what happens (coughs) in the womb, what happens to children. And there's so many, many things that we can do, so many risk factors that we can look at and address, so many steps that we can take to improve brain health, to build brain health, and to try, in that way, to prevent uh, people dementia later. So when so people develop dementia in right? it's been 20, 30 years in know, making. It doesn't happen overnight. Dementia doesn't happen overnight. Obviously going out, do doesn't happen overnight. So that's where you're going to have to focus much, much harder. So that's a little bit about the journey. And I think some of the things I've told you there are relevant to what we're going to talk about. Because uh, we're here uh, dealing with music, uh, I just wanted to ask you, anybody remember, remember this group? Uh, this yeah. From, yeah, OK. What song do you remember from Horslips?
0: On On hmm? yeah. yeah.
1: Shout it out. <coughs> Dark Doe. Dar- sure. Dar- sure. So that, that brings back memories, doesn't it? Yeah. Happy memories. Your brain's been activated now as you think about that. Remember these people? Oh, Boomtown yeah. yeah. Not too far from here. Yeah. What song do you think about the Boomtown Rats? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like hungry, okay. <laughs> That again is really activating your brain, bringing back those memories. I'm sure some very happy memories. I mean, I was actually in Belfield in pre med at that time, soon try and pass I don't like Monty's. I never liked Monty's. Anyway, take Wednesday. What about these people? Okay, think of a song. What song? What do you think? I haven't got so many, right? Yeah. Somebody, somebody, somebody. Uh, so many songs, again, bringing you back to where you were, what were you were doing, those emotions, pretty really positive things. Um, what about these people? <laughs> 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 what do you think? Something's great. One song, what do you think? Beautiful Affair. Beautiful Affair. Beautiful affair. <laughs> where were you when you first heard Beautiful Affair? Thinking back on I'm ready to play again and again, I've had this experience over the last year with my hand of very many nice history. It's been amazing for me. I mean when I was in medical school. Coming from Limerick, these people down there doing the now, starting up, starting up, a beautiful fear is so many for, for all of us. It brings back so many happy memories. And I know that my brain is just so activated when I hear beautiful fear. It brings back so much. I mean, that's really what we're here to talk a little bit about. What's the mechanism? How does this happen? Music, songs, memories, what's happening in the world? And how can this help us build brain health? just want to talk about, just briefly, and you're probably aware of Chuck Feeney, yes. of who really made a huge difference to Ireland, to modern Ireland. He was involved in the peace process. He revolutionized, revolutionized and reimagined third level education here in Ireland invested at all uh, universities here. Um, he was the, uh, the person behind uh, the American Fellows of the Global Authority Health Institute. Um, my own city, Limerick, there was no university. I came to Dublin to go to the university, I medical school. It's different now. Limerick has been transformed because of what Finney did with that wash down here at the university. Of Limerick. So, so much to be grateful for, to Jack and to Manfred, because they really were very much involved in transforming uh, modern era You know, he died and as uh we can't forget. So, that brings me to the Global Brain Health Institute where I work, where Karen uh, and Mike have uh, spent a year in residence and now are at Global Humanity Fellows. So we were founded in 2015 and again it was two chuck feeding and honey Philanthropies. And there are two kind sites, one at Trinity College Level and one at the University of California, San Francisco. And we're blue with the we, we we work across the two sides. And the focus is really on, on the brain health and dementia prevention. So the wicked problem of dementia is being reframed and we thought about it in terms of life course brain health. And it's a very positive message because we we really believe that there are things you can do to prevent dementia. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but also, even if you have cognitive impairment or if you have dementia, there's still things you can do. There's an approach that you can take. If you take a great approach, I think there's a really good opportunity to try and stabilise um, cognitive impairment, even if you have dementia, and to, to live well live well. And one of the very interesting things that we do at the happy Institute is that you see that people like Karen and Mike, you know, they're not scientists, they're not neurologists, they're not psychiatrists. We have neurologists, psychiatrists, neuroscientists with us, we have architects and engineers, but we also have people from the creative arts space. Because we believe that we need to tackle the wicked problem of dementia, look at brain health across the life course, you have to bring people from all walks of life, from all disciplines, from all professions, if we're really going to change the narrative around dementia and reframe and rethink dementia from the perspective of. And we've been up and running now since 2015. We have our eighth court. Uh, Karen, you were in the... 2020. Which court was that? The fifth? The Coldwell. fifth it was the best one, was it? Yes, the best one. And then the next <laughs> best one was the one Mike <laughs> was in, it was the yeah. seventh. But we're in our eighth court now. We've got over 200 people all over the world. And uh, we, we hope to get to 600 by the time the funding runs out in 2032, and we hope that we should we may be able to keep going longer. Um, and when people join GBHI to do a one-year investments here in San Francisco, but they're fellows from life, so it's, it, it, we have an alumni program. And really, uh, the outreach and work that we're doing here is, is really very much part of, of, of this lifelong fellowship about taking back and contributing. So, again, just brain health, I mean it's, Karen said it's a new heart health. I mean, I mean, think. If I was standing in front of you 50 years ago, I do remember when I was an intern, you know, people talking about the potential to prevent heart attack because when I was an intern, the matter of people were dropping dead right, left, and central heart attacks. Now, it's not really happening now because people have taken uh, sort of a heart health approach. You know, and uh, at that time, 50 years ago, people were saying, well, you know, if we take uh, uh, measures, if we change our lifestyle, we can prevent heart attack and stroke. And it was like a voice in the wilderness, people didn't believe that. But in fact that has been the case now when there's deaths and heart attack and stroke have fallen very significantly, not just because of statins, not because of interventional cardiology, but primarily because of lifestyle changes. And we believe the same is possible uh, for dementia. By changing lifestyle across the life course, there's a the potential to decrease the risk of people with dementia. So, Brain health is not the absence of brain diseases, not the absence of dementia, for example, because you can have brain health with dementia. It's about really getting the most out of your brain, and and here today, you're getting the most out of your brain. You're socially connected, you're stimulated, you're getting new information, you're curious. But it's also about uh, knowing what the risks are to your brain across the life course, and reducing those risks so that you can protect them and build what we call this reserve. And I think this is where music and creativity comes in. It does build reserve in your brain so that if you do develop pathology, you can battle against that pathology. And I I liken it to your pension, your brain health pension. So, you know, when you're trying to get a pension, you should be investing early on in life, right? And if you want to have a brain health pension, you've got to invest early on, right across the life course. You can still do it now, and you should do it now, but you should do it as early as possible to build your reserve. And Karen says, it's the most your brain is your most important asset. Your heart, you know, everybody says the beating heart is your most important. In fact, your brain is the most important asset that you have. And, and again, one of the things we've learned through science over the last 20, 30 years is that your brain is plastic. I don't mean like a plastic bottle. I mean it's plastic. You can make it, grow. you can stimulate it, and your brain can increase in size and in function because you can build nerve cell connections. And we thought that just could happen in childhood, you know, the first five, 10, 15 years of life when the brain's matured. But we now know that you can still grow cells and have plasticity late in life and even if you have common impairment dementia, there is a degree of plasticity. There are things you can do to build your brain. Uh, but it's important to know what these risks and protective factors are, for you're worried. just showing you here some of the modified risk factors are going to have across the lifespan. And some of these are environmental, like, you know, pollution. A prenatal environment is really, really important, you know, that if The fetus, the developing uh, uh, child's brain, is is exposed to toxins. They really start off in the back foot. Uh, Things like alcohol, education, very important, diet, smoking, uh, traumatic brain injury, um, medical problems like hypertension, diabetes. um, Depression, anxiety, stress, these all can impact on it. That's a negative, but the positive is that if you address these issues, you can protect the brain. No end social isolation, but of course, the opposite of that is what you're experiencing today, social connection. That can protect your brain and decrease the risk of developing dementia. But it's not just midlife or late life. You've got to look at these risk factors and protective factors early on. So again, about GBHI. We really do believe, and this is how we're different, we, we believe that you've got to embrace arts, creativity, music, for great health. Uh, so it's arts and science. It's not arts or science. You've, you've got to, to do both. And we're going to talk a little bit about you know, the mechanism and the potential benefit of arts and creativity. And you're going to experience it today when you listen and hear and participate with Karen and Mike and Nora. So let's talk about hope, because sometimes when people think about dementia, there is a sense of hopelessness. And I think that arts and creativity offer great hope for brain health. And arts and creativity can be for everybody. Now, we've got some really talented artists here. But what I understand, uh, through working at GBHRI, is actually creativity, um, small c. We can all be creative. And it's been beaten out of us, unfortunately, uh, uh, through through our schooling. Uh, And I think that, you know, we can all be creative right across the life course, even now, that creativity (coughs) can be very important for your brain health. But it is for everybody, it's not for the children. So it really involves and includes people, um, which is really important. Everybody needs to be And it's about what you can do, about the process, it's not what you can't do. And I've seen amazing, some of our fellows work in care environments and bring example, Bonnie Hope, oh, who you won't get to meet this time, I think. No, not this uh, time. She brings professional musicians into care homes, and if you see what happens in those care homes—not just for the people living there, but with their families, but also the, the informal carers—you know, you know, it's amazing the actual life that is just infused into those settings. The joy, the happiness, and that means that people are able to live and work there with better quality of life. And staff retention is much higher, and these are big issues that face uh, the, the healthcare services at the moment: the staff retention and, and stress and burnout. And this is where arts and creativity can help with that sense of well-being and resilience. And again, I just will say a few words about hope because it's, uh, it's something that, that I like to, to think a lot about, um, and, uh, and, and I think this is what hope is about. And I think that uh, arts and creativity can generate hope. And I think taking a perspective of brain health is a very hopeful approach. Um, So it's about imagining and reaching for a better future for ourselves. That's what hope is. It's not optimism. Optimism is where you expect everything to work out. Uh, And I mean, sometimes I find it very difficult to to, to live or work with optimists, you know, expecting everything to work out. It's not like that. I mean, hope is hard work, you know, we've got to work at it. You've got to imagine what's like, but you have to work on it, it just doesn't happen. And there's a thinking and a feeling part of hope, they the cognitive or, or emotional part. So the thinking part is really important because it's about a sense of agency, I can do it. And again, when you're talking about brain health and uh, modifying this, you've got to th- there are things you can do, but it's oftentimes we know what to do, but do we do what we know? You see, this is a problem in life, you know? We all know what to do. And I can tell you what to do, but can you do what you know? And sometimes hope gives you that agency to do what you know. The feeling part is really important, because uh, it's, it's about care and sense of trust. And I, I feel as, as, a, as a doctor uh, dealing with people living with dementia, and I'm putting on the disclosure diagnosis, uh, I think that sense of caring and trust is really important, because it it's that, that, that emotional part of hope is really important, as addition to the cognitive or thinking part of hope, because it really helps motivate individuals, when they get a difficult diagnosis, to make changes and to carry on. So the thinking part gives you the way forward, it gives you uh, the agency, it gives you pathways, and arts, creativity, music, this is a pathway for people, for your brain health. Um, it tells you, you know, there are things I can do, and, and, and participation in culture parts with you, that's, a, that's really good for your brain, that's a pathway. And again, the, the emotional part is that feeling of care, sense, trust, and the, the relationship, because that's the part of hope that comes outside of you. You can feel hopeful, but you need other people around you to help generate that sense of hope. And again, in times of uncertainty, think, you know, we all have periods of uncertainty in our lives. It can be a lot of time on diagnosis, it can be of other things in terms of stresses in our life, a lot of uncertainty, And this is really when you need hope, and to be hopeful and for hope to grow. And this hope, it's actually, it's, it is is a brain thing. So um, when you feel hope, it's in the brain. Some of some it's coming from outside, but it, it is happening in your brain. It's in the brain and it works for the brain. And when you feel hopeful, your brain performs better. You do better on tests. You're more likely to uh, adopt healthy lifestyles. Your anxiety never goes down. And you're more likely to actually feel when you feel hopeful, you know, when you're in conflict with people, you're actually more likely to sort it out. So there's a lot of advantages of hope. And as I say, I'm thinking the reason I'm talking a lot about hope is because I think brain health approach, you know, is, is very, very is is full of hope. And it can help with changing um, the way you do things and, and, and the way you address things, but particularly in terms of taking action to improve your brain health. Hope is important. I just I'm going to kind of just quickly move towards the end of what I want to say because we introduced the artists, but I think. Arts and creativity are a powerful pathway to hope. And I think it's, a, it's a, you know, we talk about prescriptions, you know, and sometimes we prescribe medications. And I'm sure, I'm on medication. I'm sure lots of you are on medications. And medications can have side effects. But the prescription of arts and creativity and music, which we know is a benefit to the brain, generates hope, but also is directly beneficial to the brain, it's very safe. There's no side effects, really. To arts and creative I love this quote from Gary Victor, who's a visual artist. He says, Art is the highest form of hope. And I think there's, there's a lot of truth in that. Now, just with you, this is a way to kind of back and forth, we can, we can have a little bit of a conversation with Nora and with Mike and with Karen about like this about art, particularly music. How does it work? I, I know some. you know, how does it work? How do you think art, how does, how does music work in your brain? Gives you joy, but is it Is activating your brain, do you think? Music, yeah? Gives you joy, gives you pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. It, you to, it allows you to
2: listen, you know, even though sometimes a
0: person
2: they seem to be dozing
1: off, but they're listening to the music yeah. all the time. Yeah. So that's why I do, I play music all, yeah. all the time. I get a sense that you get, you get very relaxed, you get into this very altered yeah. state of music. And if, if if music has that effect, it, it can only be having that effect because it's working in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but arts and creativity, I mean how many times have you got involved in some artistic pursuit or even at a museum and you just got so engrossed in something and, Time just seems to pass very very quickly. Have you had that experience, but yeah. you were sort of in flow. I mean, that's a brain thing as well, right? I mean, there's, there's, so there's there's no doubt that arts, creativity, music, these have direct effects on the brain. But the actual mechanism, how does this happening, is not entirely clear. That's one thing love, we really want to dig into at, at, at the Global Brain Health Institute. But I just want to emphasize for you that if you are participating. In creative, creative practice, arts, music, writing, dancing, poetry, crafts—you know, there's definite evidence for a benefit immediately. So you know, in terms of your mood, you know, I heard about the joy, joy lifting your mood, less anxiety, and there's also less anxiety. There's no doubt that's a brain effect. Okay, so it lifts your mood and, your, and it improves your mental, uh, your, your mental health. And we know that and there's good evidence just. Summarising here that arson interventions can help people with, with dementia. We know it decreases anxiety, um, decreases uh, uh, there's a sense of overreacting to challenging situations. It can help with post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, and it improves physical, mental, and, and emotional well-being. I mean, there are very good examples of people who have post-traumatic stress disorder, for example, you know, coming from parts of the world like Syria, where they've been they've experienced extreme trauma. Children, for example, who can't communicate um, uh, verbally because trauma shuts down the normal part of the brain. But but through arts and creativity, they, they are able to express themselves because the, other, the right side of the brain can be um, unleashed. And this is really important. No doubt that arts and these types of creativity and these types of inventions can be very powerful from a very creative point of view. In people with Parkinson's disease, I'm sure you've familiar with Parkinson's disease. We know that dance, and you're going to hear about dance, I think, in a few weeks' time, about the power of dance uh, on the brain, because you know, walking, that's that's a brain function, you know, and dancing is a brain function, and you know, and dance <coughs> is a powerful uh, intervention for people with Parkinson's. It doesn't just improve their motor function, but also can improve their cognitive. And, and mental function as well, and we know that and there's been some studies now that have been coming out over the last number of years that if people go or ar- pursue artistic uh, endeavours and involve in, in culture, theatre, you know, and, um, and other artistic pursuits, that over time, you know, they seem to be less likely to develop dementia. You know, education protects you, but we also know that artistic pursuits, culture. Involvement, and engagement, all of these, it does seem to decrease the risk of developing nature. It's probably again through building reserve, it's probably because people are more open and curious, they're stimulating the brain all the time, they're building more connections. I talked about this plasticity, and that protects them later in life when, as happens to all of us, you know, you do develop pathology uh, in the brain. So, just to summarize, the power of arts, music, and creativity, you know, it gives you. It gives you an activity and uh, you're here today and there's going to be some music and, and, and a lot more. It gives you a sense of uh, control over what you're doing. It can decrease anxiety. I think arts and creativity can help you find meaning in life. And I think sometimes when people are going through very difficult times, you know, uh, participation in arts of creativity, or art, that type of practice can help you understand and, and, and accept uh, and come to terms with difficult emotions. Um, there's connection and inclusion, which is really, really important, because we know that social connection is one of the very <coughs> strong protective of the brain and decreases the risk of developing dementia. We talked about the power of hearts and creativity for people working in nursing homes, but also caregivers of people living with dementia. So it's not just a benefit to somebody who has uh, a cognitive disorder uh, or, or dementia, but also uh, for caregivers. And again, I think one of the things you'll hear, I'm sure from Mike and Nora, how artists and creatives can raise awareness about the, the importance of brain health um, and maybe get more people on board and sometimes it's hard to listen to doctors and scientists you know the board uh, so you know a musician an artist is going to be much more engaging and I think very importantly I think arts and creativity can help people get a better sense of the emotional experience of the other person because it does. Artistic, um, uh, creative, cre- creative practice does tend to grow empathy, which is really, really important. <coughs> so you know, we, said, we talked about the music, and we, said, we tried to remind you about the music of Horst and Stockton's Wayne. And, and what does it do when you hear that music? So when you listen to that music, and you're going to listen to music, and you're going to participate in singing today, what does it do? Well, it's, it gives you, it does give you a full brain workout. And the blood flow, you know, just when you exercise physically, what happens the blood flow increases to your muscles, but when you uh, sing uh, or listen to music, your blood flow increases to your brain, and but it's through all of your brain. But very interestingly, what also happens is that, uh, you know, again, when you think about Stockton's ring, a Beautiful Fear, that reinforcing effect, what happens is actually dopamine, uh, which is a reinforcing hormone is released so like you know if you put a bet on a horse and the horse won how do you feel you get a bit of a, yeah, that's dopamine okay so when you listen to a song and you like it, you really like it, you feel the joy and happiness there's a there's a shot of dopamine in there as well okay but also you get release of this other happy hormone called serotonin again that's why we told you to one of here readers said, joy, I feel joy, and probably relates to the release of, of, of serotonin. Your stress hormones tend to go down, getting very relaxed, less anxious. Also, your blood pressure goes down. So, huge benefits from uh, how music affects the brain. So, there's a lot of evidence now that uh, this participation in music, listening, singing, all of these things are really good for your brain health and can be reserved. And I said I'd say to Mike, I I'm trying to get into inside their brains, it's a very hard task. I tried to get inside Mike's brain over the last year, it's impossible. <laughs> um, in fact, I've delivered PowerPoint today very poorly and he, he, he believes it's death by PowerPoint, no PowerPoint. <laughs> and I decided I was going to show PowerPoint anyway today, despite it. The, the musician's brain is different, uh, you know, and, and I guess people, you know, you can, a, the, people believe to some extent that creativity resides more on the left side, language function on the right side, but, but, but it does seem like if you are playing, it does, I'm not saying you have to be a world class musician, but if you play a musical instrument, your brain does seem to be wired a little differently because you seem to build more connections. Um, in different parts of the brain called the brain and the white matter, you do build more so there's a lot of there's a lot of talk at the moment about you know it's good to learn a new instrument do something new because that can actually build new connections plasticity. this but it does seem like a musician's brain has more connections um, and, and really one of the value why why musicians keep playing i think is because they're they keep getting this reward you know they're not just doing it for you they're also doing it for themselves because it feels good to perform to play, and that's probably related to dopamine this. They generally tend to have overall better brain health, and some cognitive abilities are better because parts of the brain are, you know, the motor parts for, let's say playing the guitar. That's fine, fine skills. I mean, that does is reflected in the brain structure. So. I'm not suggesting to all of you after this um, uh, uh, event learn a new instrument. But, you Why know, not. who knows? Why not? I mean, uh, is anybody trying to learn a new instrument at the moment? Yes. Okay. One. Maybe there's going to be more because uh, it's a challenge. It's a brain health challenge, but it's a good brain challenge. It's like learning a new language. Anybody trying to learn a new language? Yeah. yeah. So that's the same, thing. Okay. Learning an in instrument is another challenge, So, uh, but I, I, it's really good to challenge your brain because your brain is still plastic. So I think I've, I'll, I'll finish with this uh, statement. I think that I really do believe that it's arts and science is where we need to be. We need to be working together. We can build brain health together uh, and really turn the fear and signal of optimism inside out. Rethink dementia from the perspective it's a much more positive, much more hopeful narrative. It's the way to go. And uh, keep learning new instruments, keep learning new languages, keep coming together, uh, keep exercising, um, watch your diet, watch the alcohol. If you still smoke, stop. Um, and uh, you know, follow the good brain health advice. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, I'm speaking to the converger here. It's the other people who aren't here that we need to. The people who aren't in the room, they're the people that we need to uh, connect with and touch. But perhaps you talk to them when we get out of here. So thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank
0: you so much, Brian. And that's brain health in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, and there's another instrument that we're all going to learn today, and it's the instrument of our voice. So we're gonna learn, there's two songs, one that you already know, and one you don't know, but this is another instrument we can use. And maybe in school, if you were in a choir and somebody said, mine. (laughs) 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 who was told to mine when they were in school? Loads, okay, Uh, everybody can sing. We may not be as good as my camera, but we can all sing, and today we're gonna sing out. Um, Just on the whole thing of if your friends uh, who aren't here, uh, if you'd like to share any of this with them it's being recorded mark is here hi mark so mark is recording everything today and uh, it'll be up on the dlr website so it is something that if you want to listen back if you want to listen to any things that brian said or if you want to listen back to any of the songs that we're going to learn today by all means go on the website it'll be there and encourage your friends you know to come for the rest of the five weeks today is all about music but we will be talking about poetry dance art all these other wonderful things that we can do for our break. Please come every week. It's the same time next week. It's in the evening on week three for all the people who are maybe not available during the day. And then it's back to this, this time on week four, and then back to the evening on week five. But it's all in that brochure. So now I am going to introduce you to my Callahan.
3: I can't be back to follow up, Ryan. <laughs> uh, that's a tall order. Uh, I had an amazing year at, at the Global Bread Institute in Trinity College. I often said to people, when I left school, I actually ran out of school. And when I finished my insert, I pulled out the door and I went to college in Doolin. I'm And I stayed in Dune and played music for a few years and graduated with um, just I graduated with some amazing stuff really. Uh, information and, and the ability to write and play music. So I'd never been to college except for uh, the speeches and uh pubs of doing. and I ended up at, at uh, in my sixties in, in Trinity College. And the journey from me uh, getting into Trinity College is really interesting. It's all my mum's fault. Um, we come a family of eight, eight kids, and my mum was diagnosed about um, eleven years ago with the, uh, Alzheimer's originally, and we got a sheet of paper and it takes to us. And the eight of us uh, were. We were well driven as kids by my parents, and in fact, we would all of us would have strived very hard to be the black sheep of the family, <laughs> <laughs> we were very much individuals. So, when we were we were faced with this uh, issue of my mum, she was losing her ability to remember things, and, and also not enjoying things she was so good at, like baking and praying and uh, all her basic functions that she loved. It was very difficult for us to come to terms with it, and. So we had to learn fast because we, we had no idea about about uh, Alzheimer's. As it turns out, it was vascular dementia, and we we cared for her through through her, her years, and finally um, towards the end during COVID, I was down at a, at a, a window visit with my, my, my wife, and the window was very uh, cloudy from mist and rain, and barely and the poor uh, nurse inside was trying to communicate out to us and doing her amazing best to, to keep that connection going. There was no connection at all. <coughs> Mum couldn't see me, and um, I felt when I was going back in the car I was really upset. And I thought, geez, this isn't right at all. This is no way for uh, a woman who was given so much of her life, and uh, she, she was now in a state where, to me, I wish she'd go and and finish her journey in life and be really besting for it for her own sake. And that point is really one of the most difficult points for a carer to reach. It's when you're you're caring for someone you really love dearly, and you're you're actually wishing them to out of their pain and their hurt and find peace. And it's a very difficult position to find yourself in. And I found myself in this, so I decided to write about it. And I wrote a song called A River Rolls On. And I had uh, my imagery was my mum beginning her life at the top of a mountain as a little stream and finding her way down into the valley and nurturing all the way along. And I was using imagery like the oak tree was, for me, represents the tough times of our life because we were a working class family. My dad worked three or four jobs to to keep us going, and mum just fed us and nurtured us. We had an idyllic childhood. But she also took time to care for everybody else. And she cared for my aunts, my uncles. She was always there. She was just the most amazing woman. So it was really great that we were able to care for her like we did. But I I also had this image of she was round in the oak tree and then the willow tree, which is the sadness of life. And that is something beautiful about the willow as well. It says something nice about our personalities. And she, she went through that. And I was wishing her all the way the best to find her spot in the ocean. And I had this image in the ocean where out beyond the breakers are these uh, angels who will look after her and take care of her. So I needed her to find that spot by the ocean so she could, she could uh, rest easy and be thankful that she got through life the way she did. It and we were very thankful and we were there with her. Uh, during this period, then, um, I, I met uh, the guys from the forget the and Choir. Brendan Grace actually introduced me to the Free Up and Esquire. And we did a show in Dublin, and it turns out that uh, we played a few tunes, stopped and played a few tunes. And it turns out Nora is actually related to me. <laughs> and, uh, what happened was that Nora's grandmother and my mum were schoolmates, they were great friends. And they, they drifted apart, were never actually drifted apart. She came to Dublin and my mum stayed in Clare. but they always stayed in touch. And I always remember the, the She's coming to visit us. And my mum always writing the She's and then I discovered that my parents, the first week of their honeymoon in 1951, they went to Dublin and stayed with uh, the She's. And so this connection came back to us on that night. And I, I said to them, I had this song that I'd love the choir to sing, so I sent the song to them and, and they said, Yeah, absolutely. And so began this amazing journey for me. That's all my mum has got. <laughs> she, she, she had her final say, and she's guiding me. She guides me every day. My dad's up here, and mum's mom's here, and they're just keeping me on straight and narrow. And my role in life uh, now is basically to, to talk dementia, get people to talk dementia, uh, get people to get rid of the stigma of dementia. We don't need it. It's, just, it's not necessary. Uh, there's nothing wrong with dementia. It's it's something that happens in our brain, but there are ways out of making life much better. It's not like years ago when when we'd have the notion that was if somebody had to mention they were doting, they were put in a corner and like almost forgotten about, or it's put into homes that, that hadn't weren't geared up to care properly, and that was a, the stigma and, and ignorance that was there. Thankfully, that's uh, moving. It's it's it's. It's dissolving, but not dissolving enough, in my opinion. I think we need to tackle the stigma not just for our own population, but even in, in areas where the traveling community they, they suffer some stigma when it comes to dementia um, and our own communities. Like, we're fine in Dublin, we've got these amazing buildings and, and memory clinics and all these wonderful things that I've been developing because of the work of Brian and his colleagues and the help of Chuck Feeney. But when you move on from the, the city and you go into the Queensland rural areas, that's where the trouble still is there. And we need to kind of break down that uh, stigma. So my role, I it last week, I was talking to, I think it was talking to Karen about it, is that to me it's like, you know, there's, a, there's an old style of rugby that's been played uh, in the world of dementia care. And uh, they're all very happy to play this style. It's very successful. But then in recent years, this new team has, has emerged. And they're playing a different style of rugby. And part of our rugby is, is very creative. Uh, they're actually singing their way through the plays. And it's really upsetting the old guard. They don't like to play this new style of rugby. But this new style of rugby has gathered more people in It's developing, and they're pushing from the back. They've gone over the halfway the line. They're heading they're heading towards the try line And it's like a steamroller effect of what's happening. Creative arts are now being respected within uh, dementia care by, by neurologists, by, by medics, and that we actually have a function to play in helping people with dementia and in doing so breaking the stigma. But most of all, at the heart of this, it it's helping people with dementia to, to create a much healthier brain. All I've done is, is I've just joined the pack. I'm in the pack, and whatever little bit of weight I have, and adding to the, to the pack and I'm pushing my way forward and I'm thrilled to be part of this new style of rugby because I do believe that sooner or later we will reach the, the tribe line and we will break the stigma and we will also uh, have people more involved in the creative arts I read, I, I, thanks to my mother and sometimes when I'm reading I'm reading these, I know spend time reading reports to educate myself further on what's the world of creative arts and brain health and this gift was given to me by the GBHI, Global Brain Health to try and get a better understanding of what's going on and I do that every day and I'm reading your reports and I'm currently reading a book called uh, Creative Arts on Your Brain and it's it's just it's gone right through the globe of cases of the success of the creative arts within uh, brain health so it is real it's there and all I'm just going to be doing here for you is just talking about it. and I'll sing it I I've seen the song with my mum and then I'll see where I'll go after that. But I just want to say about the, the global redhead has given me so many gifts. When I on my first week in G I in Trinity, I'm walking into Trinity, the first two people I think about are my Jesus and saying, look at the poor inside <laughs> <laughs> Is he doing great, fair catch of mine. And I, I felt that kind of sense of pride But they gave me a task the first week and said, "Uh, Can you please draw a brain? And I said, Oh, (laughs) jeez. So I drew a brain which was more like a pea, like a pot or pea pot. And I'm looking at it and I'm trying to figure out what the parts of the brain are. So I'm Googling it and I'm trying and it really is embarrassing. And I showed it up and I was so embarrassed. And we we presented it and I think, Oh, jeez, please don't show it. But long lo and behold, they showed all the brains. They were fine. You know. There were all these neurologists like perfect brains, all the perfect areas, and I think, oh, god. And then at the end of the year, one of the guys, one of the neurologists in America designed a t-shirt. And he also designed a poster. And lo and behold, there's my brain
2: <laughs> inside the middle of
3: the poster.
1: Oh, Jesus
3: I have a voice, and, I'm, and whatever I drew, actually is now form part of this beautiful image of the brain. And what really, what was so beautiful about my journey with in, in, in my cohort was I actually started asking them questions about um, what parts of the brain are there and they started teaching me in, in the classroom during the day. And I would talk to neurologists and they were showing me, well, this is what happens to the big this is what happens to the thalamus, and all these names I thought, geez, they're looking names. As a writer, I think. So I started creating a short story about uh, battle that went on in the grain. And suddenly the grain became an island. And uh, the Jira became a village. Uh, the, the ponds became uh, back here, ponds, off right <laughs> the ponds became a, a Hollander resort for this guy called uh, Colonel Lucas Corillius. And Lucas Corillius, uh, Locus Corillius is a part of the and that's very important. when he became a guy called Lucas Corilius. So this story is about uh, brain, a, a, a woman who came into us to talk about, she had acquired brain injury. And she lived with it for years. And she got through it. So I thought, how do I write about how the brain, the power of the brain to heal itself and look after itself and, and get somebody back to go that? Because I thought it was a horrible story. So I'm writing this short story, and as it turns out, I'm writing seven short stories. Uh, being funded by the GBHI and Alzheimer's because I applied for the grant, that's my next stage in my development as a creative artist. But what I learned from my cohort was to understand what I am going to write about. And my initial t- reason for going into GBHI was I need to understand more about brain if I'm going to talk like I'm talking today. So I need to have some kind of understanding and feel confident that that I'm not uh, making things up as I go along. And that's what GBHI is giving me. It's giving me that education and confidence uh, to go out and be a leader amongst all the leaders that we have and try and get people to talk nice things about dementia and the positive aspects that are there for people to live with dementia because believe me, playing music and dancing, miming, you know, making masks, anything at all, any sort of artistic uh, endeavours is really good for brain. And I know this as a kid. I've been playing in, in care homes since I was a child. And I've always seen that. And I talk to Brian about these moments that I see them as meaningful moments of connection that I've seen all through my life when I, when I go. My parents would encourage us to go and play And we played from all sorts of care homes. And that connection in the eyes. And I saw that connection in the eyes of my mom. So many times when, when she, her last kind of to, to be very us, We played music and that was my connection. So I was able to talk to mom through my music and through her eyes. And that to me was worth any more to gold in tea in China, whatever it is. So this song is really, this is my, my tribute to mom. And stuff. And, Everything is a sad song. It's, it hasn't become a sad song for me at all. Uh, we released it with the choir on the 28th of May. This is really bizarre. Uh, we recorded the song during COVID. <coughs> uh, we, when we got a break in COVID, uh, the, my, the, the, my friend, the director and the producer, said we need to do a video. But I'm going to need to get the guys up, down in strand at 30 in the morning, July. <coughs>
0: we
2: were delighted about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I, 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 I don't expect them all to come
3: on. We'll, we'll, we'll like, get a few so it looks good. Um, so we arrived into Daryl, restaurant. and they were There was 50-plus uh, people there ready, ready to rock and roll on the beach, and we did the video. And the star of the video is actually Nora's son, who's 12? T- he's just 11 um, now. So he's about
0: 8.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: so it was like, that was the generational cross from my mum, Granny, Nora, me, and her son. It was amazing. So there's all these beautiful things that happened because of this song. But When my mum died, the day she died, we were there. And my brother, I'm just on her last few moments, my brother put the phone into her ear. And he played this song, because it was released that day, and she died that night, which is really bizarre. Quite beautiful as well. Because I had a sense when,
2: when she was leaving the world,
3: when she was saying goodbye, I had a sense that she was kind of saying to me, You better do something here. You need to do something. So I did, and I'm a doctor and I applied for GBHI. And probably the best decision I've ever made in my life. So, this is a song called uh, A River All the Time. Am I okay on time?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um,
3: I don't know if you want to play around with it for. No, she sings a free lunch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the power. I might sing a lot. Don't have any power. Mark is Mark Technician, turn the switch. The power switch.
2: Free, the river so go now in time here is time time to stop lingering on
0: Stand up for just like Susan. Just back from holidays, literally in last night and here this morning. Susan, thank you so much. Susan organised all of this and is funding it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> can you, can you recognise the funders in the world: Creative Ireland, Dunleary Rathdown, Dunleary Libraries. These are all the people who make days like this so special. It's because we could do all of this, but we can't get to do it in public unless somebody allows us to do it and give us a platform and a forum to do it. Thank you, Susan.